Hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets of the Happy Soul book discussion, part one. I'm so excited to be here. So if you have not met me yet, my name is Angie Elkins, and I am kind of the host of this little conversation here. But of course, we have our author, Katie Orr, right here with us as well. So we're going to be discussing the first part of the book, the first three chapters, basically. So I'm excited to be here. I thought I would tell you just a little bit about me and who I am. I know you know you guys know Katie. <laughs> Hopefully you've read her book so you know her. Um, but I am a podcaster. I'm also a podcast editor and producer. And I also serve a ministry called Simple Seminary. So I have lots of things going on. But one of my favorite things to do is support other ministries. And that's basically an overarching Uh, definition of what I do on a regular basis. I support other people in their ministries. And so that's what I'm here to do with Katie today. I just want to talk to her about the book I'm reading. And honestly, it's one of the favorite, my favorite things I get to do. I get to read these great books and then I get to talk to the people who wrote the words and hear more about what they were thinking. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm so excited. Yay. (laughs) Katie and I met, um, how many years ago, Katie? I don't remember. It's hard to remember sometimes, like, when did you meet online and when did we meet yeah. in real life? And I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember if either. But or if it was here in Orlando. Yeah, we've known each other for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And then Katie moved to Orlando, the Orlando area a couple of years ago, which is where I live. And we've become even better friends. And um, it's just fun. We are real life friends, but also real life ministry partners. We get to do ministry together. We've done a couple of Katie's Enjoy God's Word conferences together. I've been part of her team for that. Um, And of course, I'm part of this launch uh, for the book. So very, very, very fun. So Katie, I have some questions for you about the book. All right. (laughs) Hopefully I remember what's in there. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yes. Let's just start kind of with an overarching, like, what led you to the point of writing this book? Goodness gracious. I'm trying to think of the the process of it, but so much of me writing is because I love to teach the word. Yeah. And I never dreamed I'd be a writer. I'm a science geek. I'm not trained in writing or anything like that originally. Now I've 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 done a lot to try to catch up so that my words make sense. <laughs> but <laughs> Um, naturally I'm not, I'm not a writer, never dreamed to do any of that. And so when I write, it is out of an overflow of what I am learning and what I sense God telling me to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, a couple, I, I was drawn to the Psalms and I didn't know exactly what it would look like or if it would even be a book or if it'd be a Bible study or, you know, whatever it is, but it, it just kind of, it came out of the study of the Psalms and okay. especially Psalm 1, which has always been one of my favorite Psalms. Um, yeah. And so it's def- it's definitely been an evolution, a slow evolution of per- first personal study, then kind of secondly moving toward God, what's what's the message you want? And do you want it in yeah. a book? Do you want it in a talk? Do you want it just sure. for me? You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. I bet that's kind of hard. Like as a, as a, a writer communicator, and honestly, I'm surprised to hear you say that you never wanted to be a writer because I think you're a very good writer. And so if you don't have like that internal drive of wanting to be a writer, I know how much work you're putting in. So thank you for that. Um, 
but I, I always, <laughs> yeah, a labor of love. Mm. I, I, I'm always interested in kind of the process of how do I know this, this word is for a book or this word is for a blog mm-hmm. post or this word is for, you know, an email newsletter, you know, because there's so many vi- venues, there's so many avenues mm-hmm. for writers to get their stuff out there. And so I always think it's interesting to hear how it actually ended up as a book. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that it comes from like your personal study. I think that's so neat. And that's, I mean, that's how God works in most of our lives, right? We just spend time with him and he begins to unfold things. Yeah. I love it. Um, our okay. friend, you know, Laura Williams, right? You know, Laura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've met her, but you, you know, we run in similar circles, but uh, Laura has, I've heard her said, say before that you've got to live the message before you can give the message. And mm, that's good. Um, it's often we've got to live it first and then it gets out there and then we have to live it all over again, <laughs> you know, right. again and again and again. <laughs> Um, but I think that that's that authenticity and knowing that it's just not our, I think that's always a struggle of not wanting it to be my message. What do I want to say to people? And in some ways there is always that because I want to talk to my older self. You know, a lot of times I feel like I'm writing, what do I wish I'd known 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, that would be 12, but still that's that point. I think that's about when I came to Christ, you know, 30 years ago. And so it's that constant what what do I want to say because I wish someone had said it to me or what are the things yeah. that I heard before that were just so crucial but then yeah. not overstepping that and just pushing this is what I want to say and and knowing what is it that God wants to communicate to us and it's very mm-hmm. uh humbling and scary at the same time <laughs> you know I don't want to well, get it wrong I don't want to get yeah. it wrong I never want to write anything that's going to make things worse for somebody, you know, mm-hmm. because my, right. my message is off because I'm thinking more about me instead of what God wants. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question, because, you know, with the title of a book called secrets of the happy soul, you think, Oh, she's got the secret. She's, she's a happy soul. She's got it all figured out. She is going to teach me how to do this. And what I loved is when you said, no, let, let me tell you the real truth about who I was, who old Katie was. Mm-hmm. And you go through a list. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I can pull it up right here, but um, you go through a list of how you went through depression and how mm-hmm. w- will you, uh, because I don't have it in front of me. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was funny because when I put that in there and, and in the editing process, I just, again, I'm not trained in this. I feel, especially this book, it's like, this is out of my league. This is out of my comfort zone. With writing Bible studies, it's not quite as crucial that you get that first chapter. You know, it just seems like with with these books, it's like that intro and the first chapter just have to grab you or else some people are just going to put it down. And so I was very just trying to figure this out. And I rearranged things so many times and I actually had that in the intro. And my editor, Jeff was like, Oh, let's, let's, let's swap these. Okay. Which is what, where I had originally done it in my own editing and my own processing. But last minute I kind of changed it. And he was like, this is a little dark, you know, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> kinda, and I mean, he didn't say let's get rid of it, but let's start on a different note. And I just really wanted that in there because I know, and we'll get to this later in the book, I always struggled with, and I still do this. I look at other people and think, oh, they've got this, this, this. they've got it all together. 
And I'm never going to be like that person. Right, I just right. don't have it. I don't have it in me to be like them. They were just born different. They were, and I don't do it. I do it spiritually. I also do it with other things. You know, I look at someone who's like super skinny and it's like, oh, I'm just never going to be that way, you know, because right. they were born with a high metabolism or what, you know, and I, I give them <laughs> instead of looking at what I can change, what I can do. And yes, there's always differences. We all are born in different homes. We've, we've been, we've had different experiences and some have been grown up with amazing parents who, who taught them the word and taught them how to study and taught them how to pray and all of that. And some didn't. And so in some ways, yes, we are different, but I don't believe, I do not believe that there are some that are just never going to reach that happy status. Like we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, that that place where feel like they're close to God and they're connected with him and they're growing and, and all of that, that thriving place where our inward identity of who Christ has made us to be is actually coming out. And it's a yeah. lie from the evil one that keeps us from moving forward because we feel like it's just never going to happen. So why should I try? And yeah. so that is why I wanted that in there for sure. Um, but I yeah, also... Well, yeah, I don't want anybody to think I've got it all together either. I think I don't want that pressure. You know, I don't want to live up to that. Well, I think I think it makes us like go, oh, okay, I can do this then. Because I just found what you wrote. You said, I tend toward pessimism, dissatisfaction, and discouragement. Discouragement. Dis- depression runs in my path. Depression runs in my family. Um, and sometimes I wake up and I don't want to go to church. Um, all of those things. All of us feel that way, you know? And so... Now I'm leaning in and I'm like, oh, okay. So this is how she tends to be, but she's going to tell me how to be, how to have a happy soul in spite of all that. Okay. All right. I'm in. Teach me, teach me about it because you've obviously learned how to do this. You weren't born happy. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, I and love it's that. Not, I, I was re-listening to it today too. Um, and mm-hmm. I, and I, I wish they had made a bigger point about I'm not I'm not happy Katie all the time, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think I, I think I make that point later. But it's not like I've reached this status and it's always there. It's a constant. Yeah. And that's biblical. We see that that constant battle between our old self and our new self. It it never goes away. And not until we yeah. are one day face to face with Jesus. In eternity, will we lose the struggle? And so it's a mm-hmm. constant fight. And yeah, even, even recently I have, um, just, I mean, the evil one is attacking me on my happiness, on my feelings, on how I feel about things and, yeah. uh, in big ways. And so it's like, I'm having to, to live this again and again and again. And that's really our daily battle is remembering who yeah. we are in Christ and not, and letting that drive us, let that drive our actions instead of how we feel. Yeah. Well, and you talk about how what we really are longing for, and it's it's that perfect place in the garden where Adam and Eve were, where they walked with God, and how that mm-hmm. is what we really want. And it's like we are all craving happiness. Mm-hmm. We're we're craving fulfillment, and and it seems so out of reach. And it's it's really because of this sin-stained soil, as you put it. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about. When you mention that, you, you give this great illustration about the trees being poisoned mm-hmm. on uh, the Auburn campus. Um, will you talk a little bit about that sin-stained 
soil that we all live in. Yeah. I think most of us can relate to the feeling that we need to cleave, clean ourselves up in order to come to God. But my hope with that analogy and any other analogy we can come up with is that, I mean, they tried so hard to, to save those trees and there was nothing that they could do. You know, man, man, there, there was nothing they could do. They could dig all that out, but it was still just poison. And so it's really a supernatural work that must occur that yes. does not start with us beyond faith. Um, yes. It is a, it's a, it's a complete transformation of the environment that we're in spiritually. And so there's just, it's just a futile, it's futile for us to try to clean ourselves up, to fix that soil, to fix our sin. Uh, yes. But again, we do take steps. That first step is faith. And then from there on out, the Lord does give us this trans transplant and this, this new life, this new identity. And then we have to live it out. We've got to walk forward still in faith by grace. I mean, that's what it is. We start, we start uh, our relationship with God by grace uh, through faith. And we continue our relationship with God by God's grace through our faith. And yes. to walk forward and say, this is, this is who I am, even though I don't believe it. And so I'm going yeah. to walk towards, I'm going to walk towards God. I'm going to walk towards holiness. I'm going to, all these things that we're going to talk about, uh, it, you know, read more about in the book. It's it's a step yeah. of faith. And uh, so that's that, it, it starts with that recognition though, that I, I'm never going to be able to clean myself up enough to yeah. enter into a relationship yeah. Yeah. And we should say this, you say this in the introduction and mention it again in a, in later, but the secrets for the happy soul are for, for reborn uh, believers. And, mm-hmm. and it, this doesn't work if you don't know Jesus, right? right. Like that's, right. that's number one. Yeah. Um, so talk, talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I could talk about it, but <laughs> I'd rather hear you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and I hope this comes out clear in the book. It's always, you know, you it's like those conversations you have in your head and you're trying to tell somebody something and you didn't share all the things that are in your head, but you think you did. It happens all the time with my husband. He's like, what are you talking about? You know, I just started talking about something and I thought I'd already told him when and where we're talking about and he's lost. So hopefully <laughs> in the book, but yeah, without that first transformation, that picking us up and replanting us yeah. into the soil of who God is, um, all of our efforts towards being happy, being holy, being just closer to God, it beyond faith, it, it it's futile. It's futile. Yeah. We have to have the, the Bible is so, so clear about this that yeah. we enter through. We're going to talk about this. We enter through the gate, right? We enter through the gate, which is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. I am the yeah. way, the truth, the life. So it is only through a saving faith in who Jesus is and that he died for us because of our sin-stained soil. Because of that, we are in great need. And he he came to live a perfect life so that he could pay the penalty for our sins and we can enter into a relationship with God. That It starts there. And without that, um, there's no hope forever being completely fully happy. Yeah. And, you know, you even say, I wrote this down. We aren't promised a problemless life. 
but eternally speaking, we are perfectly provided for. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think that is, is such key to us remembering that happiness is not found in our circumstances, but Mm -hmm. that we are perfectly, completely provided for, for eternity. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. We hit on a lot of those in my, a lot of these themes in my Bible study, everyday hope and kind of the, the big picture sentence. I hope people walk away from that is that hopelessness is forgetfulness. If you are in Christ, mm-hmm. you're in Christ, hopelessness is forget, no, forgetfulness. Now, everyone without Christ is hopeless. I mean, every one of us, before we come into a relationship with God, we are without hope because our sin is a big problem. Our sin is yeah. a huge problem. And so, but once we trust Jesus to take care of our sin problem, enter into that relationship with him, we are never without hope. And our life in this world might be completely upside down and there may be zero to look forward to for tomorrow here on this earth. We at least always have the hope of what's to come, the hope of eternity with Christ, Mm -hmm. the hope of of what he's already done in us and what he is doing, even if we can't see it or feel it. And so I always go back to that, that, that hopelessness is forgetfulness. And so we need to do the work and we're going to get into this uh, in, I can't remember the secret it is about our, we need to do the work of remembering what is true and believing yeah. in that instead of what we see all the time. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I'm trying to decide next if I want to talk about joy versus happiness. I think we do. I think we want to go there now. Yeah. Because yeah. this is one of the big things. Um, and I know, I remember as you were writing the book, this is one of the things you would tell me, you know, secrets of the happy soul. Happy is a, a word that we all have an aversion to, to some yeah. degree, because we mm-hmm. think, you know, God never promised us happiness. He promised us a joy, a joy filled mm-hmm. life or joy. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the di- the difference, but then let's talk about how they are deeply connected. Yeah. So well, tell English, me what is the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So English, if we just look at English, the, the word happy has morphed tremendously over time. Uh, there's a lot, and I give lots of fun examples in the book of how things used yeah. to mean one thing and now it's other. And so in the past, happy used to mean much more of the soul level satisfaction, uh, yeah. felicity, joy. All of those were much more closer to one another in the English language than we are now. Now, often it, it connotates just this, I just feel happy and I am just <laughs> You know, that type of happiness, that that momentary feeling. And while I do believe God wants us to have those momentary feelings of happiness, felicity, joy, whatever you want to call it, um, that I think that's why there is this aversion and why certain theologians and teachers have moved away from the word happy. But when you look in the Bible and you look at the English words, happy, joy, satisfaction, there's a whole list of them. When you Mm -hmm. look at those English words and then you go back to the original Hebrew in the Old Testament or the Greek in the New Testament, those Greek and Hebrew words that translate into different English words are much more close than we want to do. And which is why I love the CSB, the, the Christian Standard 
Bible and they use the word happy. I mean, the ESV is my favorite. I, I've just kind of grown up spiritually on that yeah. translation and I love it, but it never uses the word happy because of the societal connotation of that. But the CSB yeah. is actually a much more, it is a more accurate portrayal of what they were trying, what the original authors were trying to communicate. And an incredible book on this is called Happiness by Randy Alcorn. It's thick. It's like this big. I think I've got it down here somewhere. And he <laughs> does a great job of really helping us see that. And he uses mm -hmm. this great picture, pictorial of all these words. I mean, there's like 20 of them. Contentment, joy, happiness, all of these things. Gladness. And he uses this, uh, is it Venn diagram where you've got the overlapping yeah, circle? yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it looks like a, it looks like the photo thing on your iPhone, you know, like it's just there's, <laughs> there's like eight, nine, 10, 12, something like that. A lot of them overlapping. And he shows mm -hmm. that really we tend to go, think happy, joyful, you know, all these things are separate entities. And he shows that, I mean, they are right on top of one another and there are Love small that. differences, but they are not to be segregated. And so okay. it's, it's just the culture that we live in right now, the Christian culture, especially that it's like, man, no, you, you're not supposed to be happy. God doesn't care about your happiness. I disagree <laughs> with that statement. I think he does mm. care about our happiness because when we are walking with him, when we are living a life of obedience, we may, may, we will have sorrow. We will have troubles, but there is still this soul level yeah. happiness that we can't experience. We're just yeah. so afraid to call it happiness. So yeah. I don't know if they answered the question or not. But Yeah, it totally did. Well, and you even you talk about how happiness and joy are two sides of the same coin. So it's it. They are so closely connected. Mm -hmm. um, I love how you talk about how happiness is really the name for God's people. This mm -hmm. Hebrew word ashtray, which mm -hmm. my goodness. How how do you how can people write Hebrew? I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, know. I don't know, but I was thankful you put the pronunciation in there for me. Uh -huh. So I love that how God has given us even the name happy because mm -hmm. because it's important to him. I yeah. love that. So yeah. the Psalms, let's talk about the Psalms, because you said you've been living in the Psalms and that's how you got inspired to write the book. So talk a little bit. Tell us a little more about how Psalms is an instruction manual for us for living truly a happy life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a great book. It at first seems very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it is an academic book. And so therefore it feels kind of out of reach, but it's actually a very easy, very great read for yeah. us layman. And it is by Mark Futado and it's called Interpreting the Psalms. And okay. it is, it was one of the first books that I read in this journey, you know, several years ago. It was so helpful. A lot of, a lot of technical things that do help us understand the Psalms, the parallelism, all that. It was really helpful. But he, he, I believe that was a quote from him, you know, just that, that it, he says, this is an instruction manual for, for happy living because, and, yeah. and all the parallelism, all of the, um, the, the thing I'm learning more and more about the Psalms and really all of the Bible, but especially the Psalms, these were carefully crafted. We're going to see yes. this later in Psalm 119, especially 
but they were carefully crafted. This is not, I'm going to sit down and just dump out all my thoughts on a piece of paper, yeah. which there's value in that. You know, I journal sure. when I can't, I really try to keep into the habit of journaling because it helps me kind of get it all out to the Lord. And sometimes it sounds like the Psalms are just like, life sucks. I hate this, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but I know that you are there. Right, right. I know that you are faithful. Help me to yeah. believe this Help, you know, all that. But these Psalms are not just thrown together. They were carefully crafted. This is poetry that the writer would have spent a lot of time on. And because we're not in the original Hebrew, we're missing a lot of the parallelism. We're missing a lot of the the connections. And so we saw that in Psalm 1 and 2, right? That happy is the one who. And then at the end, it's like all who take refuge in him are happy. There's a, a deliberate connection between these two Psalms. And we see that connection throughout different places in the Psalms. And so uh, I highly recommend that book if you like to study and want to get deeper into the Psalms. But really that Psalm 1 and 2, more and more scholars are seeing that they are connected together. They're deliberate. And they're actually not even part of book one. It's an introduction. It was set there in particular to set up the themes that we're going to see in the rest of the Psalms. Uh, and yeah. so that was just super. And the more I've, I mean, I've read several, like tons of commentaries and books, and they all point to that, mm-hmm. that this is an introduction for what we're about to see and the secrets held here in these first two chapters yeah. again and again and again in the, in the Psalms and reiterated all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited because next we're moving into the six secrets and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a second. but. I love how you sort of end this section of the book talking about how trying harder is a problem Mm -hmm. and how you spent a lot of time trying harder. Can you tell us a little more about your experience of trying hard to be happy? Yeah, I think it, it, we've talked about how trying harder before we come to Christ is futile, but then even after Christ, we tend to I lived like this for so long and I still can live like this often. If I'm not careful, we kind of go, okay, thank you, Jesus. I cannot be saved on my own. And I'm so grateful for your salvation and uh, you know, your name be praised. I'm so grateful from the cross. And then we walk forward in the rest of our Christian lives thinking like, okay, now it's up to me. It's up to me <laughs> to prove to God that I was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Prove to God that I was worth it. Um, and so, or, or maybe it's not approving. I think all of our personalities are different to me. It's always proving myself for others. It may be, I need to show God that I am lovable. I need to show oh, him that he didn't make a mistake that, that, yeah. that he, I I'm there. I, I need to prove my devotion to him. Um, yeah. and it's such a subtle, it, it seems subtle, although it's a huge shift, but I have always found in my own life. That when I focus again, we're gonna. This is one of the secrets too. When I focus more on believing better instead of trying harder, yeah, it's a mu- It's like it's swimming downstream instead of swimming upstream. When we're trying mm-hmm. harder. It's like God is working. God is working. But when we're trying harder, we're like going against it, even though we think we're working with Him. But when yeah. we believe better, then we have right thoughts about who God is. We have, and we realize that I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to do anything to prove myself because of Christ's sacrifice for me, Christ's provision. I'm already righteous. All this stuff we're going to get into. And it's just so huge that we get this straight. 
Because once yeah. we start believing better, every time I do the work, because it's work to believe better, when I do the work towards believing better, my actions always change. My actions yeah. always change. Yeah. It, it, it's because we we operate from a place of what we believe, right? Mm -hmm. And just, I, I love the way you put that, believing better instead of trying harder. Um, so in the these Psalms, there are six secrets laid out that we're going to be talking about coming up. Should we preview and tell them what the six secrets are really quick? We can, but if you ask me to rattle them off right now, I'm going to get them all right in order. So I'll let you I was just I was just <laughs> flipping through my book so I could I could do it. Okay, secret number one is the happy soul is focused on God. Number two, the happy soul is resolved to follow God's way. Number three, the happy soul is attached to God's word. Number four, the happy soul is dependent upon God's provision. Number five, the happy soul is confident in who she is. And number six, the happy is soul is surrendered to her king. So mm -hmm. I'm excited. We start diving into these secrets beginning in the next chapter, chapter four, and in the next part of the book. And so we'll be talking about all of that coming up. Katie, is there anything else you'd like to say about the first part of the book before we sign off? Just that this is really foundational. This was kind of the work yeah. that I felt like we need to have these conversations and get on the same page before we move forward into practicalities. And yeah. with Secret, there's two chapters. The first chapter is going to be primarily teaching. It's going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm telling my story throughout the whole thing, but it's primarily going to be looking at what does the Bible say? What does the Bible yeah. say? Yes. Then the, the next chapter of each uh, part or each secret is going to get into more of the practicalities. OK, this is what the Bible says, but how do I live this out? What do I need to continue to think about and to do as a result of what I have learned? And so it's my hope I is that they're that. very actionable uh, with that foundation of what we know to be true about God. It's a response. Yeah. It's a response. Um, yeah. That's what obedience is. It's responding to who God is. It's not trying to try harder that we're talking about. And it, it involves effort. It involves effort. Yeah. Again, it's a response to seeing who God is and worshiping Him with our lives. And we'll see that, that it's holiness, happiness and holiness, that they're, yeah. they're intertwined. You can't separate one from the other. I love it. Well, I want to thank all of you who have joined us for this We'll chat and um, we hope that it is encouraging you as you continue to read the book. And we will see you next time here on Secrets of the Happy Soul book discussion. Yay. Bye.